0: Not just, though she is here for the interview. It's actually a replay. We have Jules von Hepp back on the show. Uh, We couldn't do a new one this week because I have my stepson staying with us for a couple weeks and Jess is busy with some work stuff. So we're just doing a replay and we pulled you and you told us, I mean, you listed some of your favorite interviews, but of course, one of them was Jules Von Hepp. So if you've missed it, it's a great interview. We did, I think last year and we're rerunning it now. He's the co-founder of self-tanning brand, the Isle of Paradise. But really, Jules is... Just positivity in your ears. Just listen to this episode if you're feeling down. He promotes body positivity and just has such a sunshiny outlook on life. We love him so much. So we hope you love the interview and we'll be back with something all new next week.
1: Hey everybody. It's Jess from Fat Mascara. I am here with my dear friend and co-host, Jennifer Sullivan.
0: Hi, I'm Jen. I'm always Jen. Can I just say, Jess, your voice is sounding more clear
1: again. (sighs) I can breathe out of both nostrils right now. (gasps) So exciting for you. Yes. Yes. For anyone jumping in, I had um a i had a procedure i had sinus surgery i had septoplasty and balloon like balloon sinus there's
0: a fancier word for it but basically i had
1: multiple sinus sound,
0: things you sound you sound great though i'm glad thank i don't you. know how the recovery is going but it Slow. sounds like it's going better Slow. than last week thank yeah. you um listen guys we have an excellent interview for you and your ears are not deceiving you it is a tuesday we just thought we'd shake things up Keep you on your toes. Keep it fresh. End of summer. Like, don't get too stuck in your ways. I feel like that's good advice. Last week with Sharon, I was like so inspired to be like, yeah, I don't like the system. I'm going to change it. Do it my way. You know? Really inspiring. And we have a really, another really inspiring guest. We are like firing on all cylinders in August, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, I really want everyone to come into September strong. And really just
1: surprising their bosses, their friends, their families with a whole new you. Just Mm -hmm. a whole new rubric, okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, really, one of, I mean, I have to say this next guest, I keep on, I feel like people aren't going to believe me when I say, like, no, this guest is my favorite. No, this guest (laughs) is my favorite. But no, I have, like, I have, like, a secret a team of guests who I would invite to my imaginary fat mascara dinner party. And Jules Von Hepp has a seat at the table. He is, if you don't know him, A, for, follow him on Instagram because he, has, because he has some of the best content. Um, and P.S., I'm really trying to limit my Instagram um, time and curate my feed to people who make me feel happy. And he- He talks about this. He talks about that. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about that before. I swear, I swear. But he really- did confirm that that is the way forward. Okay, you're really, after this, you're going to reapproach the way you. Scroll, you're, you're going to edit consume your- Consume social media. Consume social yeah. media, okay? Because we really need to rethink this whole thing, guys. i really got to rethink this whole thing. But he is, um, back to Jules, he is a celebrity spray tan artist <laughs> and Instagram guru. Um, he is the founder of Isle of Paradise, which is a fantastic um, tanning. I gonna say glow line, okay? It's really more mm. than tanning. Skin finishing, I believe he called it at uh, one skin point. Skin finishing, yes. okay? He's even got me on board. He is, and this is really, I think this is, for me, this is the heart and this is the beauty of um, Jules, like uh, Jules as a person, more than like an entrepreneur or like a you know beauty dude. He is a body confidence champion and a pioneer. And he's going to say things that I think really are hopefully going to give you that little like aha or just that little tweak that maybe you need to kind of, just kind of change the way you view yourself. Um, so if you're going to stay for anything, please stay for that. And he also has his own podcast with his friend, Sarah, and that is Jules and Sarah, the podcast. So uh, please, I really hope you love this conversation as much as Jen and I did. Welcome, Jules. All right, so Jules, tell us, like, where are you from?
2: Originally, where, where,
1: where, yeah, where, where does Jules begin?
2: So Jules was birthed in Yorkshire um, in the north of England. And I then lived in Nottinghamshire, which is like in the middle of England. So I basically grew up with Robin Hood hats. I grew up near, in Robin Hood country. Um, I live in Kent in the UK, which is in the south, near the sea now. Um, but I lived in London for 10 years before that.
1: Okay. Okay. And when you were growing up in the North, did you dream of being in the beauty industry? Like what drew you? I'm always interested in what draws someone to be in this industry.
2: To be honest, I didn't um, I didn't know the beauty industry existed and the side that you could work in it until I was like 21. I think before I just loved makeup and I loved shampoos and I loved the the consumer side of the beauty industry, but I didn't know that there was careers. I started, I studied fashion at university um, and then moved into like marketing when I was like assisting. And then it was only, I met somebody, I was on an internship and I walked past Michelle Feeney, who used to be the CEO of MAC Cosmetics and at the time was the CEO of saint on a staircase in a PR agency and um, I said to her, "I was like, great shoes." And she was like, "Oh, thanks." And we got chatting. Um, and it turned out that Saint Tropez had a head office in Nottingham, um, and I—that's w- where my parents lived. So I was like, "Oh, great!" And then that's how it kind of—that's how my career in beauty started.
1: Because you complimented somebody on their shoes, the right person.
2: Life is too short not to say nice things. Do you know what I mean? Just say nice things about people's shoes.
0: Okay. It's not like you said something nice about her shoes and it was like, here's a naked celebrity. Make her look golden and glowy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Can you
0: you connect the dots there for us a little bit?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I then started working at Saint-Tropez as a marketing assistant. And I'm talking like I'm fresh out of uni. I've just graduated Um, I'm doing the desk jobs, I'm getting experience in the beauty industry, I'm playing around with product, I'm doing product development. And I just kept feeling like I was walking in mud a bit. I was like, I'm not connecting with this job. Everyone, all of my friends seem to be having this amazing time in their careers. And I was like, I'm not finding the thing that's giving me light and fire. Um, I then met Nicola Joss, celebrity facialist, um, to the stars. I met her on a shoot and we just really got on. We really got on. We're very similar as people. And she said to me, you know, I actually think you'd be an amazing spray teller. And I'd, you know, I'd happily take you under my wing and you can assist me. Um and I was like, a uh, spray tanner, are you kidding me? Like, no, that's this is not the a job, job? For me. Yeah, I was like, you know, you don't wake up one day and say, mum, I think I found <laughs> the job of my dreams. I want to be a celebrity spray tanner. <laughs> it, was it was quite a weird thing. But I was like, Do you know what? I'm not enjoying desk work. I'm not enjoying where I am now. I know in my gut that I'm not happy. So let's give it a go. Because like, like life is too short to not give something a go. Just, just try. Um, and so I, she trained me in spray tanning. And at the time, I must have been 20, 22. And I remember the first time that I saw a naked body in the room when I was spray tanning. I was like, whoa, whoa, there is a naked person in the room. Whoa, what, like, I don't know what to look. I don't know what to do. And then, you know, you have all those, like, insecure moments in your own body confidence. And you've got a person who's naked who's also feeling a bit like, oh, God, I'm naked in front of this person. And then you just got to get on with it and do your job and give them a spray tan. And over time, I didn't become addicted to the spray tan, but I became really addicted to the confidence that it made people feel like I would meet my friends in a bar after work, and i'd I'd be covered in you know old school gloopy tan, I'd stink, I'd be tired and my friends would have come from their desk jobs and they'd be bitching and moaning about work. And I'd be like, I've had the best day ever. Like I've, <laughs> been with, like, I've been with 20 naked women today. All of them have come with different issues, different things going on, but I've laughed all day and everybody has left me feeling amazing. And so I'm going to bed knowing that I've made people feel great and that's my job. And I was like, this rules. This is such a good career. Um, and then I think the real turning point came... The real turning point came when I was tanning a makeup artist called Natalia Nair. And she... I'd done her spray tans a few times. And she was like, you know, you are really good at spray tanning. And I was like, I mean, I didn't I didn't know that you could not be, but okay, great. Um, and she was like, I have just won the contract to do all the makeup on the X Factor in the UK, which at the time was like the biggest show. It was the biggest show. Um, and she said, do you want to be on my team? And do you want to do the spray tans? And I'd only really been tanning for like six months at this point. And... Um, And I I just said, yes. I was like, why not? I've got nothing to lose. I've got nothing to lose. And they they filmed on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I did that. And then I was also working Monday to Thursday in the week. So I worked every day solid for three months. But on that Mm -hmm. show, it was my first real brush with that backstage, glitterati, real celebrity moment. Like Rihanna was walking past me in the corridors. Lady Gaga would arrive at the studio at the same time as me and I'd see her. And it was like... You know, for, for little old me from the north of England, who, <laughs> like, who had, you, that world just didn't exist because there was so, no social media then. For me, it was a wild, wild experience. Um, and then I, that was the year that Little Mix won. And Little Mix, I then started touring with Little Mix. And when you're touring, you're meeting lots of different people. And on XFATCH, I was meeting lots of different talent agents and lots of different people, and then word starts moving around. And I just was getting booked and booked and booked to tell people because I, I'm i not nosy. I don't gossip. I don't care about any... So I would never tell any secrets because, you know, this. I had a, a really... It's a job that requires huge amounts of empathy, huge amounts of being able to keep your mouth shut because what you see is highly confidential. Um, and also... I'm not there, like, I've got things to do. I'm not hanging around. I'm not nosing around anything. I've got a car on the meter. So you're having your tan and I'm going off. Like, it's very simple. <laughs> but I think because of that, actually, I was getting booked a lot. And I got poached from the X Factor onto Dancing with the Stars in the UK. And in at that time, these shows were huge, like millions and millions of audiences. And... Dancing with the Stars, the head makeup artist, Lisa Armstrong, um, reached out and she said, you know, we've got a bit of an issue that Dancing with the Stars is known for orange tans. It's just known. All the the headlines are writing about is bad tans, streaky tans, all of this. And I hear that you are the guy that can change all of that. So I was like yeah I'll do it yeah sure whatever I'll, I'll come on board but actually it was the most rigorous training in terms of tan that you could ever have as a spray tanner because you're working with all different body shapes all different skin tones um, and you're working with it every single week so you I was learning so much about a tan's life cycle if things if a tan went patchy if it' streaked if it Took if it went darker one week, but not the other week. Um, so it was like it was almost like a crash course in tan, um, and I did that for three years. And once I'd done that show, I—I I mean, there is nothing that I don't know about tan. There's nothing that I don't know about glow and about empowerment and the—you know—how tan makes you feel. Um, and it was just a real. Crash course, I guess. But then from there, I was also getting booked and doing huge shoots. I did that Kate Moss tan with Nicola Joss for Saint Tropez. Um,
1: that was a big deal. It was she a was big the face of deal. Yeah. It
2: was a big deal. And I remember, you know, being with Nicola. It was Nicola, Kate, and I, and assisting. And I was like, wow, this is. I'm in a different league now. This is it, it, moving at such a pace. And Nicola and I were also you know, traveling around the world, doing all the shows backstage, doing Paris, Milan, London, and that as a spray tanner, there's not many opportunities to be able to do that. So because you really become part of a makeup team, you become this extra arm for makeup artists. And you So I was talking about makeup artists, you know, I was alongside Val Garland at shows and working alongside Lucia Pica and Lucia Peroni. And I was getting booked to do Versace campaigns. And you no know, that is I was really moving in that high fashion arena and that was really exciting for me in terms of my career.
1: So you've done like the athleticism of dancing with the stars you know like kind of it seems like more of a a like a the a, like an athletic tan or like a theater tan and then the high fashion editorial tan. I never really thought about these different types of tans before. Like how is a tan going to perform?
2: And traditionally, people think of tan as that one shade fits all, it's just there for that one type of person, that one purpose. But actually, it's about skin, it's about texture, it's not always about the change in the colour, it can be about just a slight kiss, just a warmth in colour. Because, you know, when I was doing red carpets, actresses were flying into London and they were knackered. They were absolutely shattered. There wasn't the only red carpet that they got on their diary. Their skin was grey. They looked tired. Maybe they just had a baby. Their baby was with them and they are like, oh, I've got to get on this red carpet. I've got to look great. And it was my job just to warm that skin up, just to hide fatigue. And I have always say... No one will compliment you on my spray tan because they won't know that you've seen me. My tans are all about undetectable glow. People will say, you look great. I don't know why, but you look great. And that's what it is. It's not like, oh, I can see you've had a Sam McKnight blow dry. Yeah, that's a Val Garland lip. Because, you know, some (laughs) artists have that style, which I love. But for me, it's like you... I'm like this little secret person behind the scenes in the beauty industry, just giving that gift a glow, but never really, it's, I don't shout about it. I'm like, there you go. You feel your best. Off you go. Enjoy your day.
0: It sounds very much like not just a skill set of the technical skills of doing a tan, but the psychology of working with people. And clearly you've been able to master both of those. I have a question though. These years that you were learning and mastering, what products were you using? Were you mixing and matching from different brands and like, How did you come to end up making your own?
2: So I was working with Saint-Tropez for six, seven years. Um, And then as every expert does, they fly the nest. They they go out there, they go solo because I wanted to work with different products. And I literally had tried everything. I was working with every type of product. I was mixing them in my kits. I was playing with them. But to be honest... I remember, I think I did an interview with one of the magazines in the UK and I left the interview and they'd they'd asked me about products and what I used. And I was thinking, I mean, these products are great, but they're not doing what I want them to do. Like, sure, the colour looks okay on day one, but on day three, you're you're streaking, you're patchy, it's smelling, it's drying. Um, And also I'd worked alongside makeup artists. So I'd learned all about color theory and about color correcting. And, you know, when you're working with hundreds of naked bodies a week, it's not just like, I want to look like I've been in Barbados. It's like, I just want to glow. I want to look well rested or can black skin tan? What do I do with that? And so actually it became for me about matching that color makeup theory into tan. So I would tan my clients and then I would mix color-corrected makeup in with an instant tanner and add that over the top to finish if I was doing red carpet or if I was doing somebody for a night out. Because I didn't just work with famous people, I was also working with clients who weren't in the public eye or weren't in the fashion and beauty industry. So my knowledge of how tan was being worn was so in-depth because, sure. You can talk about red carpet beauty, but actually that's not run-of-the-mill everyday beauty. And what we need in our day-to-day, we need a tan that lasts, that doesn't smell, that it's fades like nicely. It's tan, it's
0: like skin tone. You're a skin tone expert.
2: E- exactly, exactly. <laughs> skin finishing.
0: Skin finishing, thank you. You should have a business. This is great. Keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, have you thought about launching a brand? Um, so then from that, I just realized after I did the interview with the magazine I realized that wow I'm I'm being profiled as one of the best spray tanners in the world yet I'm opening my kit and I can't find anything good enough that's doing what it says it's going to do I'm having to mix it with other things I'm having to mix products together to get what I want so then I was like if I can't find these products. How is any other person in the world who loves tan what are they using what's happening to their tan and I was like I never and I'm always so honest about this I never wanted a brand it was never something that interested me it was never it wasn't a goal of mine but it became it felt like a duty. It felt like a duty to deliver amazing product that actually did what it says it's going to do, that actually creates beautiful skin. But then you pair that with everything else in terms of the body confidence that I'd learned all along my journey, which I share really really openly on Instagram. And I'm sure we're going to get into this. But then that yes. felt like a massive flag to fly and I was like, I have two choices. I can either just trundle along as the expert who's doing the red carpet, who's creating these glows, but that's kind of like this hamster wheel that's going around for me. Or I can massively grab this life by the balls and step up and create a beauty brand and change the beauty industry. And if I'm going to do that, then I need, to, I need to crack on and bloody well do it.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that. Well, first of all, I mean, your brand has done really well. Both Jen and I have featured it in our stories. It's Isle of Paradise. And if anyone who's listening, if you don't know it, please go check it out. And the products are really innovative. But um what's been what I think is, you know, equally, if not more impressive, is how you've used the brand, as you said, like as a platform to talk about bigger issues. So you are you know, one of the biggest voices and one of the few, you know, male voices who talk about body positivity, self-esteem, mental health, you know, through your platform. So I wanted to know at what point, you know, in your, you know, career and your beauty journey, did you decide that to make it part of the message? Was it, okay, I'm going to, create this brand and like at that moment you're like okay and it's also going to carry this or you're like i'm going to launch the brand and you launched it and then you decided to weave in that message like what was that impetus what was that so that that crux
2: the two um the two parts the learning how to tan and the learning all about product and the body confidence they almost were like two parallel lives that ran in unison and joined at the start of the launch of island paradise it wasn't the it was There was no strategy really behind it, but it just felt right to do that. Um, okay. So I, I've been really open and honest online about my own body confidence journey. When I started spray tanning, I was recovering from an eating disorder. I'd been down a very dark path of suicidal thoughts in my teens. And going then, and it was all to do with my aesthetic. It was all to do with my appearance. And...
1: Were you quiet about these things? Very quiet,
2: very insular, very internalized. Um, So then to move into a career where you are exposed to huge amounts of nudity and different body shapes while you're battling in your own brain about body image, that was quite challenging. But actually being exposed to nudity on a daily basis... Really changed my body confidence, and wow. it was only it took me a long time to realize that that had happened, but it was working with naked bodies. you know I've see people come in, I've seen people cry, I've seen people going through divorce, I've seen people pregnant, have their babies get pregnant with their second their bodies <laughs> change all the time um, but what I realized was as a spray tanner, I never ever remembered somebody's body. I'd leave the room, I'd leave, you know, the celebrity's hotel room, I'd leave their house or someone would leave where I was working and I'd be like, she was great, she really made me laugh or, you know, she had a really kind aura or, God, she's going through a really hard time at the moment. And I was like, do you know what? I actually do, don't remember anything about their appearance and actually their appearance, although I'm spray-tunning it, is probably the least interesting thing about them. What I'm remembering is how they made me feel and once I realized that, it really made me think I'm not being booked here because of what I look like. I'm being booked because I'm really nice to be around. I have an empathetic viewpoint, but also I give great tan, which is a skill set. <laughs> Nothing of how I'm being booked is based on what I look like. So that for me, carrying this baggage and, and knotting that made me realize that actually, wow so why am I feeling like this? Why is the beauty industry making me feel like my aesthetic is everything? And then I was looking at adverts and campaigns. I was like, it is so targeted on insecurity. It's so homing in on here. We'll just make you feel a little bit shit. And then we're going to say that whatever we're selling you is going to make you feel better. And for me, that just felt fucked up. I was like, this isn't right. This is so not Right. And working on, you know, with so many celebs, working on set with them and the camera lights are going and I could see on the monitors, there's the image. She's flashing up. And I know, listen, I know good lighting. I know the, all the primers, everything that you can use to make skin look amazing. And there's the image on the monitor. Six months later, I'm shopping with a girlfriend. We're in the store. The image is on a massive billboard outside. She doesn't she don't look like that. She did not look like that on the shoe, And my friend, would look, my friend would look up at the image and then she'd go and look at the product in store. And I think, love, you're, you're buying into a lie. You're buying into a lie. Yeah. And I know that because I've worked on both sides. And I think yeah. if I hadn't have been to the lowest of lows with my own aesthetic in the mirror and just feeling so low about how I looked... I don't think it would have fired up the passion to change how people feel when they look at beauty campaigns. I think that my own journey with My Body Confidence really helped me. It just made me push all that energy into Isle of Paradise. And when we came to launch Isle of Paradise, I said to my um, business partner, I said, you know, I really want this brand to represent all of the bodies that I have been exposed to through my entire career because they saved me on my journey and I want to help other people on theirs because why should we be sold a product based on this perceived idealized perfection that doesn't exist because the person in the image doesn't look like that? Why should we not be sold beauty on empowerment and about feeling and about... Joy, why should a campaign not spark joy and feelings and just positivity and you know at the time, there was no other brands, maybe Dove, back at like five years prior, but there were no other brands that were really doing that, and it was really scary because we took a risk it could people might have been like, oh, I don't want to no, know no, I don't want to see that kind of image, but we were the first ever um, tan brand to use a curve model and we first ever tan brand to use black skinned model, which sounds crazy when you say it out loud, but that was just the the position that we were in. But now it's wild because people every day um, DM me and they walk up to me in, in like if I'm shopping in Sephora or on the street here and they're like, thank you so much for everything that you do for the beauty industry because it is so empowering. And when we launched the brand, my Instagram went wild with messages of girls just saying, I'm crying. I'm crying because I feel like I'm finally represented. I thought tanning was all about that one shape fits all, that one a very skin sexy tone.
1: person by, by the old standards, you know, like the, yeah. the, the old sexy model. You need to look like this to be a, t- you know, tan, sexy people on the beach, you know, 1980s style, you know, <laughs> it's very, um, Yeah, I think the tanning industry has had like a a couple of, you know, archetypes and they are not healthy. The white swimsuit,
2: the white, I don't want to see that damn white swimsuit anymore. (laughs) Like for God's sake, no one's tanning for a white swimsuit. We're tanning to just not feel like shit when we look in front of the mirror on a Monday. you know what I mean? Yeah, have
1: have a nice day, you know, at the beach or in the sun. What, I, I was going to ask you what the feedback has been like. You know, obviously, you know, people are coming up to you at Sephora. They, they're excited. But what about feedback um, from, from guys? You know, for, like, I'm curious, you know, you've definitely done a lot in this space for, you know, guys. Because I really don't see anything in terms of body positivity for anyone other than, you know, women.
2: I it's think- really,
1: I, I, I think there's a lot to be said there.
2: I think the fact that I have a male body and share my body confidence journey, you would think attracts men. But actually, my audience is very much women. Um, and sure. I the, the issues that I've had with my body identify whether you're in a male body or a female body or however you identify with your body. I think the message that I receive from men is you make my wife feel amazing, you make my other half feel amazing, and it really knocks on, and I I feel that in my day-to-day. I think there's still so much work to do, actually, within the male grooming environment, because if you actually take a look at how products are communicated to men, actually, that's still very archaic. We've still got those contoured washboard stomachs that have been sprayed with water by makeup artists on the set and you know somebody's lying there at sunset and it's telling you this fragrance nobody looks like that nobody oh, looks like that oh and their like hair that.
0: only grew on their pecs for some reason <laughs> yeah. no where else on their body <laughs>
2: yeah it's like they so
0: it's- there's the ideals are like it, yeah, like 10 years behind in sometimes the yes. female identifying but kind I think, of ideals.
2: I think men really internalize how they're feeling. I don't think they communicate emotions as freely as women do. And I think that this conversation is only just starting for men's body confidence. It's only just starting because I can see it in my following online. I'm getting more and more men... Each week, but it's not as that's interesting. It's not as strong as it is within the female arena.
0: Yeah, you can you can even look at like pop culture. Justin and I have been talking a lot about uh, what's been going on with uh, female athletes this year. Um, You know, like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles talking about mental health. And I just realized as you were talking, they both identify as female. Like you don't hear that as much from athletes that identify as male. So. Back to this mental health thing, where do you see the beauty industry having a responsibility? Clearly, you felt a responsibility when you created your brand. Do you think that other brands and the industry as a whole needs to get on board with this messaging?
2: I, 100%, 100%. I think that there, I really wish that it wasn't always about trend and watching one person do it and having a succeed and then somebody else does it just for the sake of doing it. I wish that, the people who work, because you know, without a paradise, it's me. I'm here. I'm the. I'm the. You know, I can really talk about it. But there are brands that don't have faces, and so behind those brands, there are people that work there. And I wish that they would just feel empowered to talk about what they want to talk about. We can't all be like, yeah, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about body confidence. But there are so many different aspects that conversations just need to happen difficult conversations need to happen and people need to feel safe it doesn't always have to be about selling product which is where I think the beauty industry sometimes gets its feet in a bit of a twist Um, I think that it can be you don't have to sell a concealer at an event don't stress about that but actually what's the most important thing is how your audience and how your customers feel when they leave the event they you know So I think mental health is huge. I think this is an arena that we're only just scratching the surface of. We're only just starting to teeter into this because mental health at the moment is an industry and a sector, not even industry, that was a bad turn of phrase. Mental health is part of the human being that has only been really identified now post pandemic I think it's going Mm. to be because it's so easy to coast at the moment it's so easy to be like yeah it's all good it's all good it's all good and actually (laughs) behind the scenes it's not all good and a really good analogy with mental health um while we're on the topic is the best way to describe it is if you are in your apartment and you walk into your living room and you look up and there's a leak in the ceiling what do you want to do? You want to go upstairs, you want to say, hey, Sandra, something's leaking, something's coming in. You want to call a plumber, <laughs> you want to get it sorted um, and you get it fixed because you know what's going to happen. But mental health, the leak's there, but only you can see it and it's, in, and it's in your mind. And actually what we do is we ignore the leak and we don't fix it. And I think that more brands should be educating On the fact that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to want to get help and it doesn't always have to be this rigid this rigid world that we think therapy is because any artist and beauty expert will tell you that we are unpaid therapists you know we we your hairdresser I mean god my hairdresser's heard it all from start to finish your facialist (laughs) your masseuse your spray tanner they are the people that are lifting you up but they can't just do that for, you know, they, they're also there to cut your hair. So if you want to really not the things within how you're feeling, you know, your inner glow is just as important as your outer glow.
1: I love that. Um, you've given so many great, um, <laughs> you're talking about artists, yeah, you, you are, you know, you're a brand owner, but you're also um, an artist and you have functioned as, um, you know, what, like it or not um a therapist for many people on your account. And you give so many great, really, you know, I don't want to say entertaining because you're talking about serious stuff, but you know, kind of upbeat tips on your Instagram and your reels. And I'm just gonna share one of them that I really like. Of course I'm not gonna do it justice when I talk about it. But you know, you give little digestible tips. And one of them you said, like, you know, you can stop the negative self-talk to give yourself like a little bit of a boost. And you dance around like in your body with your, you know, shirt off. By the way, I love your tattoos. Um, and so you know, much. you've got great tattoos. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, make yourself look as gorgeous as possible with you know some self-tanner, some brow gel. And the idea is like to just kind of like. God, I'm simplifying this way too much, but like kind of like get on with it. That like you're, when you work on your outer glow, like your inner glow will shine out, shine out. I'm way, I'm definitely oversimplifying this. Watch the video. You understand. <laughs> another one that I really loved, the the other one that I really loved was like, you control the scroll. Basically yeah. like, oh my God, that one was way simpler to explain, but it's like, just kind of like mute, mute people. This is why we have a podcast because we like to, you know. we Wait, need well, time to talk about things. Watch Jules real. Basically, you makes these like cute videos and it's like they they leave me feeling inspired but the control the scroll one was really like uh duh like just like mute people or unfollow you that make you feel like shit you know what I mean and I was like oh okay a lot of people are getting unfollowed tonight so do you really do that like are there people who can make like the all-powerful all-powerful jewels like feel <laughs> like shit
2: Do I have my comparison traps? That's what you're asking. Yeah, the the (gasps)
1: compare and despair, compare and despair. Because I I mean, I like to think I'm pretty evolved, but um, no, there are still some people, Jen knows who they are, who like, you know, (laughs) who like get me like annoyed. Like, I feel like I'm 13 years old sometimes.
2: But I think that's part of human nature. You know, humans will naturally compare. And it used to blow my mind even when people used to come in spray tans and they say, can you make me look like Kate Moss? And I'd be like, why? You look yeah. like you. Stop. I would totally
1: ask that. I would yeah. totally ask like, that. Why, why I, I want, want her to look... shade.
2: <laughs> like, I, and I'd be like, no, this is a tanning gun. It's not a wand. Don't be ridiculous. Let's talk about something else. And actually, comparison traps can come from anywhere and they can come, there is no magic tool that's like I will banish comparison for you forever that doesn't exist because as we go through life we want different things and actually what comparison can show you is actually maybe I do want that and the reason I'm getting pranged out by this is is, oh okay the reason my friend Lucy Sheridan who is a coach in comparison she has a thing that she says um, which is Good for you and the same for me. So, okay, that's great. You're on holiday, but that means I want a holiday. So I'm, maybe I'm going to book one or maybe I'm going to start saving money for a holiday. Good for you, same for me. And that's what I think. So
1: should I put these people on my vision board?
2: Well, listen, it depends how far, it depends <laughs> how far in they are for, you, for this. I'm not saying let's print oh, out of face. because if, if you don't like them as a person, that we don't need to make the middle of the dartboard your vision board. <laughs> but... but but giving your, you know, people bag social media out. And then Instagram is the cars of all this stuff. No, no, no. Social media is amazing. And it's an exposure to so many different walks of life. But you are in control of pushing follow and unfollow. And there's the mute tool. You don't have to engage with that person. I I honestly feel like I've muted half of the beauty industry because I'm like, I, I just don't need to go there. I don't need to see what you're doing. I think comparison can really block creativity as well.
1: Okay, Jules, you don't have to name names, okay? I wouldn't do that to you. But, like, who or, like, what what kind of thing would you mute right now? Like, or, like, what type of person you should have to be? Interested. Or brands. Like, what, kind of, what kind of content <coughs> would, get mute, would get muted by you right now?
2: I think um, I'm still very triggered by, um, and in the gay world, it's very aesthetic. And it's, like, washboard stomachs and on holiday in the Bahamas. And that can really trigger me. Um, because I'm like, oh, God, the person, you know, 15-year-old me wants that washboard stomach and I don't have it. That can be very triggering. I also, when I see people copying, like blatant copying, that's quite hard for me to mentally navigate. But actually, I have to remind myself, it's flattery. It's flattery. Copying it means your
1: brand? Like, yeah, or copying uh, yeah, like your Or home. just
2: copying my content or copying the brand or copying something that we're doing. Like, people are so janky. Like, just go on your own safari and come up with your own ideas. Like... Leave me to do mine. Um, But, you know, there are people, I'm a human being. I fall into comparison traps, but it's how you deal with the comparison traps that defines you. And actually muting, mute the mute tool, closing Instagram, I actually find talking about my comparison traps really refreshing because, you know, my friends will be like, no, what? Why are you comparing yourself to that person? Like I know no, when you admit who it is, thing. yeah.
0: Everybody else is like them. No, like you're <laughs> yeah. way better than them, and it shouldn't be who's better or worse. But I totally <laughs> no. yeah. You know, but sometimes it just feels good to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's friendly, human nature. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hello. <laughs> no. He doesn't agree. No, he, um. no. Clearly, there was a point where you jumped from, okay, I'm doing this, I'm engaging on social media, I have this brand, I need to talk more, and you started your own podcast. How did that come about?
2: Well, to be honest, we were podcasting way before Isle of Paradise. We met because my co-host now i feel dumb um, i
0: don't really i didn't realize that i found you first through isle of paradise and then i was joking, like more, was
2: ridiculous. Ridiculous. Same, more
0: no, same 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 same
2: same um, guilty as we, charge we started podcasting about the same time as you guys i think um and okay. i i was an og fat mascara listener because i was like oh yeah i'd heard about you listening like you starting i like i was in the car you to drive around to clients houses and listen to fat mascara it's like my one like Oh my god. Window into the beauty industry. Um and then we met because Sarah was a radio presenter and she interviewed me and I was like you are so refreshing. You're really Great different chemistry. from anyone else I'd met. And like I got invited to this, you know, you know what it's like when you go to industry parties. And I went to a party and everyone's just stood there not doing anything and it was like it was a roller skating party. Was, you, know, you know how brands theme stuff? And this one was like really random. Oh but she wasn't in the beauty industry at all. And she was like, so are we are going to roller skate or what? And I was like, oh, no one's actually going to skate. She got on the skate. No, you just put on the skates and take a picture,
0: them. Sarah. Come on.
2: She was literally, she was like, are we are doing the half pipe? Are we going to give this a go? I don't know what's going on. And I was like, <laughs> I need someone like you in my life. I need someone who doesn't care about the the things that sometimes the beauty industry can get fixated on and actually they don't really matter and what i what i want is to just laugh to the point where my sides are going to split um and that's really what our podcast has been it's been about escapism from the day to day that actually life is not about um the things that make you feel crap it's just every everything is funny it's just the way that you look at it
1: that's awesome
0: i i just looked out at it the time and i was like we should probably talk about just some tanning in case a lovely listener <laughs> came in and was like, "Okay, so what are my tanning tips?" And here we are, at, like the forty-minute marchy. <laughs> They're like, "Help! <laughs> I'm pasty and I'm ashy and I need help." So before we uh, we let you go, we, we, uh, we let's just talk tanning briefly. All right. Like, All right. What are people just getting wrong? Like, give us like a hot take on like you need to know nothing else. Know this about getting your skin finishing right. What do you What do sure. you tell people?
2: exfoliating does make a goddamn difference, okay? People say to me, oh, does exfoliating make a difference? It does. And the reason it does is because your skin, before you tan, it's one surface. So when you when your tan fades, it means that it fades really nice and evenly. It means that you're not going to get that, that patchiness, that tiger bread finish. It all comes from the, the exfoliation before. I am a huge fan of Soldier Nero's exfoliator, love that. Um, also a good glycolic exfoliator all over. I'm obsessed. And a body brush. Don't bang up. Just like
1: just like a a dry Mm -hmm. brush. Like a dry. Just
2: like a dry brush. And you know, I'm a gay man, I can say this. Just grit and bear it. Do you know what I mean? Just get in there and get get that skin off. Um, also. The prep includes moisturizing your hands, elbows, knees, and feet. These are dry areas of the skin. So what that means is that you can put the tiniest amount of tan on there and they will really absorb. So if you don't moisturize, that's when you get the tan that's stuck in between your knuckles that's, you know, or on your hands, in the palms of your hands, on your wrists. And that really gives the game away. Remember that the whole reason that you're using a self-tanner, either Paradise, is that you want to look like you've been on the best vacation of your life. You don't want people to be like, great self-tanner, Brando, love it. You want people to be like, <laughs> yeah. wow, tell me about your, you know, you look amazing. And to do that, you re- moisturize your hands before, apply your tan, moisturize your hands after, immediately after. And what that does is it softens the, cond- it softens it all down and makes it look more natural.
1: Question, Jules. Okay, when you apply that self-tanner on your moisturized hands or your moisturized hands- like kind of like damp when you're applying the the tanner on them, or like should they not be moist anymore? It's already absorbed, yeah. Yeah, like it, should they be kind of like tacky when you put the Tappy. tanner on them? Yeah, tacky. Okay. Got yeah. It.
2: You don't you don't want to slip and slide. You want like you've just done a hand cream behind the wheel of your car, you know, quick whoop, then ready to drive. Okay. That's what you want. As a rule, whatever you do on the body, apply half that amount on the face. So if you're doing two full layers on the body. You do one layer on the face. The face is really the area that can give the game away. And it less is more when it comes to the face. You can always deepen the tan, but you can't scale it back. Okay. For the face, if you're using drops, Ala Paradise drops, I recommend two to four drops per dollop of moisturizer. Mix them together in your hand and apply. When you are immediately after, take a spoolie and just brush your eyebrows and brush your hairline with the spoolie, and it will lift out any excess tan. Um, You Mm. can also get, we sell a shape and glow brush, and what that's designed for is to just buff the tan off the cheeks and onto the ears. Many people forget to tan their ears, and actually it can make quite a difference to the final colour. Also at the end, you can use that same brush to just sweep over your wrists and over your ankles. Um, When you're doing your ankles at the end of the tan, do it in the shape of a sports sock. So you go from the top of the ankle down and over the toes, add that moisturizer and just buff with a brush. And the thing is like, tanning is very much a similar concept to makeup. It's all, if in doubt, blend it out and just buff, buff, buff. The more that you buff, it's not removing the tan, but it's just blending it. It's just blending And you've
0: already exfoliated. So you're not wearing that you're buffing off the tan.
2: Exactly. You're blending.
0: I think that's the issue always for me.
2: If you are if you are um, if you have a larger body and you have areas that you maybe need to lift up move around don 't be afraid to do so. You can set the tan in between those areas with talc um, or any type of powder, and what that will mean is while the tan 's developing if there 's any sweat if there 's any hot areas within that body, the tan 's not going to separate it 's going to stay uniform. And if you work out on a regular basis and maybe your tan is fading really quickly, I recommend gradual tanners, like a tanning Mm. butter, because then you use it every other day and that's how you have that consistent glow. Darker skin, black skin, always use a dark tan. And yes, dark skin can tan. It doesn't give the same finish as what it would do on a Caucasian skin. But actually what will happen is it removes ashiness, blue undertones, and it it just gives a really nice, glowy, even complexion to the skin.
0: Skin finishing. Can I ask before, we do this Fat Mascara 5 at the end of every interview, but I had one more question. Say you have like a fancy celebrity tan appointment. I don't don't even know if you're still doing these. How how much time do you spend on the prep and the finishing versus the actual color application? Is it?
2: Oh, like it's non-comparable. The actual tan itself takes, I don't know, a minute and a half. Like, I'm so fast, no messing about. Oh, I'm in and out in no drama. But actually, when I'm moisturizing the hands, buffing the wrist, putting primer on, doing all of that, that that's really the work. And that's where you get the amazing pro results.
0: As you were talking, I was like, he must spend more time, like, exfoliating people and, like, blending than even...
2: I I 100% do. If you... Anyone can paint a fence. Anyone can paint a fence. Anyone can do a spray (laughs) tan. But it's everything else that comes with it. It's sure the speed of the gun as i'm moving around and the distance that i'm holding the gun from the person's body that does make a difference but actually it's everything else it's and it's it's reading that individual skin no no tan is the same there isn't one set routine it's so so many are, you, are you quite meticulous
0: it. in your in your life are you like i a, am
2: i am a virgo through and through i'm an absolute I was,
1: I was jules i was just about to ask if you're a virgo i, I, am. Was, I swear to, i'm a virgo too i was just about to ask you holy cow so jules do you think i'm not a spray tan person or a fake tan person you're actually convincing me that
0: i might want to try fake i think, tanning, I think under-
2: you could have the gift
0: just apply your career skills to your own body, like all the meticulous <laughs> and planning, and like getting it right. But I'm nervous. I am nervous about the feet and all that because that's where I
1: always get. I get impatient, though. I get impatient with all this stuff.
2: You need you need something easy. You need a, a butter, a tanning butter, and then yeah, at the I, end I, you just get a brush and buff your feet, and that's it. And because the butter is not as strong as a self tanner, it's a gradual tanner. You're not going to. You know, if you make a mistake. It's not and you guys expensive. make a butter?
1: Yeah. You, go- Isle Paradise makes a yeah. butter? Yeah. So, okay, I was, I was talking to somebody on a, at a beauty event the other day. They said that they use the Isle of Paradise spray on their face.
2: It's life-changing, yeah. The but they, they water- say they just spray
1: their face. Yeah, they just say that they spray their face and that's it. They just don't even... I think they'd use it a little off-label because they were like, I don't even blend it. She just just sprays it her face.
2: Well, the thing is about Isle of Paradise, and if you look at tan from, you know, 2005, and I often say this to people, I'm like, it ain't 2005. There's not this whole rigmarole of walking up and down the corridor, wafting, and this whole tanning is Thursday night, and I've got to do this whole process. That's so boring. Tan is like, just throw it on. Her, like... And move on with your life. I tan on Sunday nights and I tan on Wednesdays. Like I don't tan on Thursday nights for a Friday yeah, night. Yeah, but we don't got burned ridiculous. ten years ago <laughs> all with these
0: crappy yeah. products, and now we have like this. You know, you have like PTSD from like early aughts tanning, <laughs> and you
2: like are I afraid know. to I, go back. I feel like it's like you've both been to a really bad rave, and you're like, I don't <laughs> go back. And I feel like oh, yeah, I'm I, the bad I need <laughs> in the or... safe
0: room. <laughs> I need to go there. Yeah. And there needs to be soft music. <laughs> and yeah, I'm I might try like, the butter.
1: Oh my God. Okay. All right. we'll do the five. Yeah, we'll do the five. We'll okay. do the five. Go ahead. Um, I, I am actually open now to this, to, to going back to try again. Okay. All right. My happy Virgo. All right. Hold on. Here we go. Are we ready to do the five? We're ready to do the five. Okay. Jules, what is the first beauty or grooming product you remember falling in love with as a young lad?
2: but you adopted an English accent then, which I really enjoyed. Um, (laughs) Evader Exfoliating Shampoo. For me, that was a beauty product that I was like, wait, what? A shampoo can exfoliate you? This is so extra. And my friends (laughs) at university were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just exfoliating my hair. I don't mind if I do. But for me, it was like the the first product that I was like, beauty is so fun. It's so fun and like a little bit ridiculous and I'm here for it.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, if there's one rule that you wish everyone would follow, what would it be?
2: If in doubt, blend it out. Please, just blend (laughs) your wrists. (laughs) Blending is so underrated and not talked about enough. Like jawlines, ears, wrists, knees, like just blend, 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 blend.
1: (laughs) What is your favorite snack?
2: Ooh, I actually just ate an obscene amount of chocolate Brazil nuts, which I, again, I think are really (sighs) underrated and I will be (laughs) going back for more. So yeah, we're going to go with chocolate Brazil nuts.
1: Those, that's seem very, um, I feel like you guys oh, like, have
0: selenium. I, we had a dietitian I was had to say they're healthy for you. Yeah, right? like we had like a beauty dietitian once and it was like, Brazil nuts are great for your skin. So there you go. Well,
2: that's I why I'm a team because I eat yeah. the Exactly. Nuts. It's <laughs> the Brazil nuts.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: What is the most played song on your favorites playlist right now?
2: Oh, um, I. <laughs> Oh, my God. I, I really want it to be something fun, but I think it's something really embarrassing, like a Lady Gaga no, Ariana Grande. more embarrassing, the better. I actually don't know what it is. I, I think it's a Lady Gaga Ariana Grande. Or maybe Britney like Breathe the- On Me. That's really, that's really there for me at the moment. Yeah, I know. And I want to be someone who's like, yeah, it's just Fleetwood Mac, oh, this rug cover <laughs> that they did. I really got into it. But I'm like, no, I'm basic. It's Britney. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. And then if there were to be a movie made of your life, who would narrate it?
2: Can Do they have to be alive now?
1: No, no, no. It could be, be anyone.
2: Joan Rivers.
1: Oh, that's good. Uh, that's a good pick. Yeah. That's a good
2: one. Hundi P, Joan Rivers. And also, she would star me, I think.
1: <laughs> I just realized you said Hundi P. Yeah, 100%. P. 100%. Yeah,
2: Hundi P. P. Hundy P.
0: I I never heard that. I hear That's Hundo cute. P over here in the states, but <laughs>
2: Hyundai P. Hyundai P.
0: I like better. It's got Hyundai a ring. P. Hyundai P. <laughs> oh, Hyundai P. You've been an amazing guest, right? Yes. Like this was so fun. I I thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. Keep up the good work.
2: Thank you guys. Love your posts. And you too. It's been such an honor and like a real career high coming on Fat Mascara. I love Get everything. Out of town. No, I'm not. I, that is the truth. It's a career high. And thank you very much for having me as a guest. I love what you do. Oh my God.
1: Thank you for coming on. Oh, this is awesome. Next time you see me, I'm going to be real tan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better.